The Spanish Announce Table. It is episode 404. Uh, getting pretty close to Arn Anderson's favorite episode number here in about 40 weeks. And it's so much pro wrestling to talk about. We had a WWE premium live event. We had what we yeah we had extreme rules we did yeah. i forgot about that shit yeah. yeah and then we had what we had two hours of rampage we had all the typical wwe stuff we had aew dynamite last night and that's what we're going to talk uh, the most about i'm sure because we love aew it's good stuff but tom what's new with you man not a lot just enjoying wrestling uh got a lot of hot topics currently uh, going on in the wrestling community, such as the Bray Wyatt return that we mm-hmm. saw at uh, the premium live event. And uh, then we got the AW debut in Toronto, Canada. And as you mentioned, we like to talk about AW because it is our favorite television show, Dynamite specifically. So let's get right to it. Last night, as you mentioned, was Dynamite. It took place in Toronto, Toronto Ontario, Canada. And Before we get into kind of the nuts and bolts of the episode, one thing that I noticed throughout that I thought is the silliest thing in the world is everyone that was not Canadian kept on saying, well, here in Canada. And it just made me think if we did that in America, right? If there was a show in Pittsburgh and a Canadian person was like, and, you know, now that I'm in America, like no one does that. It it was so weird that they couldn't say Ontario, Mm -hmm. right? They had to say Canada, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. No one says Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, United States or America. <laughs> it's just the weirdest thing. And that's a trope that's always been there. It wasn't AEW specifically. That's been since the dawn of time that I've ever heard international cities. Uh, they they put, they say all of it, which is just the weirdest thing. Or they'll just generalize it and say it's the whole country. Anyhow, it kicked off with the debut of the newest announcer in mm. AEW, Renee Paquette. So before we get into her interview, what do you think about the debut of Renee Paquette in AEW? Interesting. I mean, you know, she's good at what she does. I think we thought this was going to happen years ago, and then it never did. So I I just, I guess, in the back of my mind without thinking about it, assumed eh, she's doing her own things. Got away from the mm-hmm. wrestling world. Who could blame her? And that's not what's happening here. And I like that they didn't go to like John Moxley's wife, Brene Paquette, right? And mm-hmm. even though most people know it that watch AEW, but uh, that's not her accolades. So I like that, you know, that we have. I think she's really good at what she does. And I think it's another, you've said it before, a lot of white dudes hanging around AEW. And so all the interviewers were that, you know, outside of Mark Henry, sometimes would do them backstage interviews and mm-hmm. whatnot. But so I think this is, I think this is good. Good change of pace. She's really good at what she does. And I think it also makes them more contemporary because I love Tony Schiavone. We all love Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone is the saint of AEW. However, when Tony Schiavone is doing interviews, for people who know him, I mean, he's been doing interviews since the 80s with Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, uh, and now he's interviewing his son, have Brock you seen Anderson. This TikTok of Tony Schiavone, he was doing an interview on a podcast, I guess before AEW called him, Tony Schiavone was working at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And he somebody was like, oh man, did people always hound you? And he said, no, not really. He's like, I maybe got recognized like maybe three or four times. He's like, because most of it's like 20-year-old girls coming in. And he was like, except he's like, once in a while, the middle-aged guy would be like, 
And he goes, he goes, I do distinctly remember the one guy being like, I can't believe Tony Schiavone's handing me a cup of coffee. And he goes, meanwhile, I'm thinking, yeah, I got a hot cup of shut the fuck up as well. <laughs> Fucking Tony Schiavone is a national treasure. I love that guy. Yes. But you're right. You know, that's for us, right? We're remembering 20 years ago, Tony Schiavone, and now we get this, you know, payoff here with that. Who, what's going to happen for the people that are 20 now and watching 20 years? We can't have Tony Schiavone out there at, you know, 94 years old or whatever he'll be then to, you know, there, there's, well, and you've got to move on, get a little more contemporary, like you said. And it also adds that, you know, she'll know more of the contemporary things. So when someone references a current artist or someone references a TikTok that they saw, it's more likely that she would have seen it than Tony Schiavone, who I doubt Correct. has even been on TikTok, right? Yeah. So I like that. I also like that it's a female voice because, again, white dudes have said enough even though we're two white dudes talking to you yeah but we've been but doing watch this our for podcast <laughs> yeah we've been doing this for 10 years so it's not like we're johnny come lately's okay um but it does add a female voice i also am excited because of you spoke about her uh versatility and skill set you know they also have rj city there and we saw rj city and renee paquette doing a kind of free form interview uh, for all out at the pre-party and it was fantastic put those two together on like a tuesday night titans-esque show where they replicate in their own version the gorilla monsoon bobby the brain heenan and there you go that. that would be at a youtube show fun. with those two right that i mean really I, that's fun. what i thought immediately is those two people need to be doing interviews and then again it saves us stretching Tony Giovanni so thin because I do think Tony Giovanni does serve a good purpose, especially a couple of weeks ago when MJF wants to get some good heat, he pushes Tony Giovanni down. We all love Tony Giovanni. What the fuck MJF, right? So there's still good use of Tony Giovanni, but we also don't need him to call the matches and then go backstage and then do the control center. And so it's like, this is just adding some more depth to their commentary team. And then a skill set that I think really no one, in AEW has. And then again, on top of that, what I like the most, a female voice, which hopefully will help the female division. So, you know what I like the most, by the way, Tom, uh, is the Spanish announce table nation. I like them the most. So we want you to join us live on these shows. We do them Thursday, sometimes Wednesday, depending on, you know, our busy lives, watch the Twitter, which is table show, join in and chat with us. So if you're watching now, uh, tell us what you think of rape cat. Renee Paquette, excuse me, uh, suddenly now showing up as AEW's newest, what do they call this person? Reporter? Commentator? They just said newest person on the commentary team. Yeah. They just said newest person on the commentary team. Because again, I think she's going to serve many different roles. I don't think, now in this one, I think because again, first night we didn't introduce her as John Moxley's wife, or she didn't come to the save while John Moxley was getting beat down by, uh, you know, JAS and Jade Cargill, one of those things. Uh, I thought they just said, hey, we're going to bring her in. At a, you know, this is her on ramp. So she's going to do a couple of things she's familiar with. And then we're going to get her probably into the stuff that we hired her for. Right. Yeah. So she comes out and she says, guess who I'm going to talk to first? Another Canadian. Christian Cage. And so Christian Cage comes out here and he runs down maple leaves, local heat. Right. I don't know. Something about hockey. Yeah, right whatever hockey's dumb yeah um but it gets right into our first match of the night luchasaurus versus jungle boy tim the opening contest what did you think 
really good. I think these guys worked really well together. The story's been there uh, for a long time, obviously, with this whole breakup and Christian Cage, I don't know, brainwashing thing. I like even that they mentioned, I think maybe it was Excalibur, that both of these fighters have been on winning streaks since they broke up, right? Neither of them have lost. So the implications here even is like, you know, one of you might, one of you might get genetic. Well, but they did lose because Jungle Boy lost to Christian Cage at the pay-per-view that we were at all out. It was, yeah, right, huh? So was that yeah, a disqualification? No, he got pinned. Yeah. Interesting. So he was lying. Yeah, and then he was lying. Maybe he was just wrong. Mm-hmm. He was wrong, maybe. Maybe he was wrong. Here's my question to you. Is So, again, very good match. There was that fun table spot where Luchasaurus damn near missed the table, ends up going through it. Luchasaurus gets the victory. But now we have Jungle Boy, again, telling us that he is Jack Perry. Yeah. Two times he's told us, hey, I'm Jack Perry in this match, right? But he lost both times. So he loses to Christian Cage, and then he loses here last night to Luchasaurus. So what do we do from there? I would just stop saying that. I never liked it to begin with because, I mean, you're Jungle Boy Jack Perry. You know what I mean? You're Jack Perry who's Jungle Boy. Your Jungle Boy is Jack Perry. So, like, now to avoid what you've just said here of, well, hey, nobody's scared now of you saying, well, I'm Jack Perry. Be like, oh, please. Mm -hmm. Please. But. I like that Luchasaurus won this, and that's because if if this isn't the ultimate payoff, if this isn't the end of the storyline, good. The heel is supposed to be getting the better of the face, and Jungle Boy is supposed to get beat up by a eight foot fourteen inch, you know, black faced monster, right? Like mm-hmm. that happens. He's got to find a way to overcome this obstacle, which will be tough and won't be successful immediately, right? That's where we'll. That's where we'll attach to Jungle Boy Jack Perry. So I like this because, you know, this isn't over. I agree. I don't think it's over. However, I would say let's let's go different routes until Christian Cage can get healthy. Mm. And I think what really this lines up perfectly for AEW is now we have Luchasaurus with a pinfall victory over one of the pillars of AEW, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. You have Christian there that can talk for him. So now maybe we have him be the first real title contender for who is in the next match, Wardlow. Wouldn't you love to see Luchasaurus, Christian Cage on the mic, taking on Wardlow? Yeah. I think that's money right there. And so let's get into it. This was a standard squash match. You had War Joe, Samoa Joe, Wardlow taking on our best friend, Cutie Marshall and Nick Camarado. Nothing really, you know, to write home about. War Joe gets the victory. But after the match, uh, Wardlow goes for a powerbomb on Cutie and the embassy comes out. What do you think about the embassy getting more TV time? And again, an ROH talent on AEW when you got people like Eddie Kingston just sitting around. Yeah. I look, I know ROH is going to be a thing and they keep trying to show it, but like I'm stalled out, man. I'm stalled out with Wardlow. Even I'm stalled out with Joe. I'm stalled out with all this ROH stuff. It all, I know there are stories there. I know they're trying to tell stories, but all of it just feels like I could have missed it. I I kind of forgot it happened until you just started saying it. And I just, I don't know 
unless they're going to bring a real powerful punch of a storyline here, I just kind of am not like it's something I can skip if I don't have the time. Yeah. Side note, before we get into more of the uh, fallout from the match, uh, someone who I, I typically read just because I like their thoughts because they also don't go behind the curtain. Right. It's mm-hmm. not like, well, because of the contract status, this is why the loss. Like, shut the fuck up. I just want to watch TV and tell me what you thought about the TV show. Uh, this person, though, counted uh, 16 championships, made an appearance on last night's episode of Dynamite. <laughs> 16 championships. That's a lot. Not 16 championship matches, but 16 different titles were, were held either by FTR, Wardlow, Daniel Samoa Garcia. Joe, John Moxley, all the stuff. So thought that was interesting. Maybe that should tell you, uh, let's get ROH their own TV show yesterday. However, let's go back to the fallout from this. So uh, the embassy walks out and they're talking their smack. And before they could even really, you know, get the advantage over War Joe, FTR comes out and they get a monster pop because they're still the best tag team of the year. All credit to the acclaim. Look, everybody loves the acclaim. I got the damn shirt on. However, the tag team of the year is still FTR. They're out of this world over with everyone. Yeah. So thought that was scissoring great. is up there it might be a one scissoring one is beat. great but again we've talked about I mean, this look at this man's I think, ass i mean look how over that is i, I gotta join our youtube because i actually don't know what that <laughs> what you're referencing um well what i think is how i've mentioned the no, acclaim before yeah you should be able to see it. Look that it man's is. ass there it is i mean how over uh, is <laughs> what i think again is you know ftr is the Dudley boys. If you go back to the attitude era, right. Where it's good in ring action. Now the Dudley boys were a little bit more hardcore, but you understand what yeah, I'm no, saying. I mean, the analogy yeah. is good mm-hmm. matches came from the Dudleys where the good fun spots and the things you said at school came from the new age outlaws, which is your acclaimed for mm-hmm. this week or for this time period. Uh, but let's get again, back into what FTR is talking about. They said, Hey, we don't want to get war Joe, back in here because they just wrestled. So Friday night, it's FTR versus the embassy and FTR is going to bring back a good old friend. And here comes Canadian's own. Do you like that? Canadian's own Canadian Sean Spears. Yes. Which Tim makes no fucking sense. It, it makes no fucking sense. It makes sense. no fucking sense, but Sean Spears is one of those guys that every time I see him, I'm like, all right, I like this guy. I don't, I can't even I really explain Sean's, it, but I love him. I think love Sean him. Spears is wonderful. I think when Sean Spears makes his return to help his pinnacle pals, FTR, I'm still on board. But then when Sean Spears gives a good old hug to Wardlow, you lost me. Yeah, because the it? last yeah. fucking time we saw Sean Spears, he was the accountability buddy of Wardlow. Yeah. yeah, this is some WWE shit. Yeah, outside of like, they should address it and they should say something. But it could even be something as simple as like, oh man, I talked to I talked to Sean Spears today. You know, Excalibur. It's like uh, try to catch him backstage, and you know he told me that he's kept in touch with all these guys. You know, phone text and they and they've all seen the light about MJF or whatever. You know what I mean? That kind of shit, right? Like, fine, whatever. Like, I think you know, something simple. At least give me something, right? Well, I think the pivot and again, if I had the pencil in 2020s hindsight and all of that, 
I would have looked at this script and said, oh, shit, we're going to have Sean Spears walk in the ring, buddy, buddy with Wardlow. And the last time we saw him, they obviously were not buddy, buddy. So what I would have done is pulled the Eddie Kingston move, because, again, Eddie Kingston is the greatest professional wrestler in the world. And everyone should know that and look to him for their guidance. What he did when Claudio Castanoli made his debut is say, what the fuck? I don't like this guy. And he got out of the ring and he talked to John Moxley. He's like, what the fuck is that shit? And they addressed, hey, there's still some hard feelings here. And that's what Wardlow should have done. Wardlow should have looked and been like, guys, what the? No. Well, I mean, if nothing else, Wardlow's kind of just like standing back like, I mean, right. like Wardlow knows, seen... like, I got you, motherfucker. If you try this again. Exactly. But Spears could have been like. Be cool. Hey, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, still like, again, you know what I mean? The stare down. Could have gave me the yeah. stare down. Even if you had one of those where it was like, you know what I mean? And they're just, and you know what I mean? They're just like, all right, fine. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, little fucking like, all right, fine. Whatever. Like, a, you know, like, a, I don't really want to do this, but whatever handshake. I'm helping my boys out. They say you're the, you know, like that kind of thing, at least is better than nothing. That's what I'm getting at is because we just went buddy, buddy and everything's great. AW has done such a great job of paying attention to the details and remembering their history. And this was one of the times that they didn't. And that's why I guess I was so disappointed because they've had such a good track record. And as I mentioned, this is so much of a WWE move. Well, Hey, people are cheering. So now we're friends because the fat neckbeard guys like us, so we're friends now too. Dumb. So on Friday, we will get FTR and Sean Spears taking on the embassy. So let's see how that goes. We shall see. Again, we're recording this on a Thursday night. We haven't seen the whole thing. Rampage, here's how it's going to go. The AW guys are going to win, and the ROH guys, we're going to forget they exist. We like the ROH guys. You like the the gates of agony look yeah sure and brian cage they're not gonna do nothing well but that's because that's how they're positioned but at least from potential they have something there yeah wouldn't mind watching them on an roh show yeah and that's what i think all of this roh talent is amazing and wonderful and great i just don't want to see on AEW. kind of like how i i appreciate new japan pro wrestling there's people over there that i definitely respect like minora suzuki yeah. and the great muda but i don't necessarily well, always want to see me, them in AEW. it's just this it's like they could it, it i understand that like they're the same guy like if brian cage was still an aw guy it wouldn't be any different than brian cage on my tv is aw guy versus whatever label roh guy but the point of the whole roh show versus aw show is that i understand that these are ROH people, these are ROH titles, so that this isn't going to stick around. This isn't a story I'll be able to, like, follow long-term and care about. And, like, the implications I won't be felt on this AEW program that I'm watching, right? So now that's why I feel like I don't need to see this. I, I like that. Does that make point. sense? You know what I mean? Like, it does, just, yeah, no. I get it. The, I get there's it. no object permanence. Look at that. the big words here on the Spanish Man. table. Credit to you, yeah, Tim. I like that. Right. You had your dictionary today. Yeah. Hey, let's get back into the action. Match number three of the night saw the guy that is in between us currently on our YouTube page, uh, Billy Gunn, mm. daddy ass, taking on the coolest man in professional wrestling, Swerve Strickland. And Tim, this was an interesting match, in my opinion. But what did you think of this contest? Yeah, fine. I this helps further the story it gets the crowd to 
to cheer for the whole acclaim thing without oversaturating with the acclaimed themselves uh, to get daddy ass out there. And I still swerve got the sneaky win, right? Sneaky swerve got us sneaky win. So we're still putting swerve over as like, ha, I still win here. Right. Uh, and you know, I like it. I don't, it was a little bit weird. Like you said, it's, I mean, it's not a typical match. It felt more a little bit WWE style where it was just like, bang, bang, here we go. And now, you know, the, the, the swerve at the end. Right. Um, but it was good filler. I, you know, this storyline, you know, as we said, sometimes you like you're flooring the gas on something and then, then you got to take a week or two to get to where we're going. And I felt like this was just, this is one of those little, like, eh, you guys are third match on the card. Punt to next week where we do something bigger. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, my issue, and it wasn't even an issue, is kind of like with Dustin Rhodes. I don't, we have so many amazing, in their prime, talented wrestlers. And Billy Gunn is as over as damn near almost anyone right now with the uh, scissor me daddy ass. But if we're being honest and peeling back the curtain a little bit, he's over because of the acclaimed. It's not that we love Billy Gunn. We love that the acclaimed is saying this and it happens to be about Billy Gunn. Mm -hmm. And for me, when you got Swerve Strickland, who, again, as I mentioned to me, is the coolest guy in pro wrestling. And I do like this flirtation with turning heel. I just think we could get better. Have Anthony Bowens take take him on one on one. Or do Max Caster one-on-one with Swerve Strickland? It just feels odd that 56-year-old Billy Gunn, who looked like he's still 30, is getting a match, if that makes sense. Yeah. Billy it's Gunn, Dustin Rose, that's canon, all though, for me. It was, he said, you're the fucking reason they won. Like, come on, you want to get involved? Get involved, and I'm going to kick your ass. Now, what we got was... Oh shit! I can't kick this fifty-six-year-old man's ass. Ah, but I'm still smarter than you. And now we could even get Billy Gunn being like, "Fuck you! Let's go again." You fuck me up, and he'll be like, "Nah, I beat you already. Beat you. Don't need to beat you again. Fuck out of here." Possibly, possibly. Now let's get into. I mean, the at fallout. least this is how I, you know, if I yeah. had the, if I had the, the pencil there. Let's get into the fallout though. As you mentioned, there was kind of a shenanigans pinfall victory from Swerve Strickland. Swerve. Kind of acknowledges it like, haha, now I got one over on you because Billy Gunn helped the acclaim win the titles. But then he just leaves, right? Max Caster, uh, Anthony Bowens, they come out, they just bypass, swerve, get into the ring. They want to do the like, hey, everything's fine. So let's do the scissor thing because that's what everyone loves. And I'm a little confused. I'm like, but that guy just cheated to beat your friend. You just, you don't care about that. Let's just move past him. Yeah. So that was awkward. And then before they could even do their scissor, three-way scissor, uh, smart Mark Sterling comes out with Tony Nese, and he says, hey, I own the scissor me trademark, so you better not do that. And so are we... Well, so... So, Tim, here's so Tim are, we getting, are we getting the acclaimed versus yes. the Ring of Honor tag team? Yes. So what happened to Swerve well, and Keith Lee? So, I mean, I, conspicuous by his absence is Keith Lee. So I'm wondering if maybe Keith Lee's, you know, again, we don't know. We're, we can't peek behind the curtain. So my guess is, you know, maybe Keith Lee doesn't have this many dates or Keith Lee's ill or Keith Lee can't 
be here. So Swerve's going to do a little singles run, and this is a good way to kind of separate while still finishing you know parts of the story here. He does his little thing with with the ass man, and they move on to this Mark Sterling, who's now saying, uh-uh, "You can't do the scissor me, right? It's it's scissor me, daddy niece. Now all the money's mine." Yeah, and also backstage we had another weird incident, and I'll get back to the smart Mark Sterling stuff. But one thing that also came to my mind is we uh, we also got. Uh, the, the firm purchased the contracts of private party. And then on Friday, it's going to be Ethan page versus Matt Hardy and if Matt Hardy loses. Then he has to also no, he's, join he's the facing firm. Uh, private party one or private party two. I don't know. And then they get away from the contract if they win. But if, if Ethan page oh, wins, he gets Matt their Hardy. contract and Matt Hardy's contract. Gotcha, right? Cause gotcha, he's like, gotcha. Because they're like, what's in it for? We already own the contract, so something's got to yeah. be in it for us, and it's Matt Hardy. And I like that Matt Hardy was like, oh, fuck. And then he was like, no, 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 you got it. You you got it, right? And then we can do this right, right? Like, I like that Matt Hardy still might fucking shit these like, you know, fuck these guys over. He still might be an asshole. <laughs> like, I hope for it now. I hope they win. I hope Matt Hardy's their savior, and then he still fucks them over. Yeah, fuck we'll him. see about that. But this just seemed... This seemed like elevation. Smart Mark Sterling, I like a lot. And I think when you don't have anything, put in Smart Mark Sterling and you're going to get entertainment. For example, when Wardlow was kind of spinning his wheels because the whole MJF stuff, and we didn't really know what to do with Wardlow right off. Wardlow powerbomb 20 fucking guys in one match. I love that. I still love it. It's great. But being honest smart mark sterling is a youtube act and that's not meaning to be insulting that's why you would watch the show if i tell you hey let's watch elevation smart mark sterling's gonna do a promo you gotta see you would most likely watch it well yeah because he's always in the in the things that are a little bit silly and yeah and, and so th- I, I get what you're saying there um y- yes i i like the idea of the firm should have maybe done this if the firm are running the same thing, if the firm are suddenly lawyers that can like buy contracts, just like Mark Sterling, then they bought the rights to scissor me, you know, the, the trademark. And now they the acclaimed has to fight to get it back because everybody wants to scissor and everybody loves it. And right now when it's at its height of popularity, no, we take it away. Can't do it. Got to shut it down. Right. I don't hate that idea. I just think maybe it could have been pulled off by a better entity. If, if, and it just could have been pulled off less clunky because as I mentioned, Swerve Strickland gets the victory, but just walks off. The acclaim gives no care that they just walk past Swerve Strickland. Yeah, I mean, they gave him the bump, but I mean, not everything is immediate. Like we're going to beat your ass on the side. It's just kind of these like you motherfucker, like fuck you. We saw what you did next time. Motherfucker. Tim, if you're, if you're in a fight and I watch it's not a fight, you, it's a I- sanctioned bout. Okay, if you're watching, if I'm watching you in a sanctioned yeah. bout, mm-hmm. and I see that that person cheated you out of victory, meaning that you're making less money and you're upset, I'm gonna fucking punch that person in the face. Yeah. Okay, so what if then I'm later fine because you punched the other competitor in the face? I can't keep my my friends in check. Who's finding you? Yeah, come on, Tony Khan. He needs that cocaine money. Yeah, he ain't finding CM Punk. You think he's gonna find me if I help you? Uh, you find me. 
Nah, he ain't gonna fucking <laughs> in this scenario. It just doesn't make sense. And then Keith Lee, because I just think there's more meat on the bone of Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland and the acclaimed, uh, and we just dropped this it. This might the- be one of those where we can't. Maybe Keith Lee doesn't exist anymore. And tell us, I don't know. That just—it's weird. Maybe it's that's weird. up in the I, air. Maybe they're still, you know, trying to work that out. Then again, and I don't mean to go back and forth on this, but then put Eddie Kingston on TV and wait till fucking Keith Lee. Like you got so much talent that's just not being used. You know what I mean? Like you have a roster. Well, if you put Keith Lee on there, then you'd be like, but you have Swerve Strickland. Put him on TV. He's not being used. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> like if if you have to buy your time, then just don't put it on anything. <laughs> it's stupid. That's what I'm saying. It was a dumb fucking segment. But what was the greatest segment of this episode was John Moxley calling out Hangman Page. And Hangman Page spoke from the heart, lost himself for a moment, pulled the Ric Flair, damn near took his own eye out. And this was incredible. The best promo in a very good list of promos from Hangman. Even MJF, they cut to the crowd. And I mean, I have it on our single shots here where he was kind of like, all right, this one kid, <laughs> you know what I mean? He was like, all right, he's slinging. And that was the only thing that I felt was a misstep is I understand MJF looms over this title match and really every title match until he cashes in that chip, right? And I understand that and I like that. But the timing of MJF is here was right when Hangman started the heartfelt emotion. Yeah, again, this is this is where I don't think we've got – a singular oversight of somebody going, what is step one in the show? What is step two, three, four, five, six, seven? What's the timing of all of that? Exactly. Where I, I get what I, I get the AW thing of like, let's give these guys freedom to say and do what they want. But you still need to go, ah, okay, so when we cut to MJF, let's make sure it's before Hangman's before giving Hangman the starts, right? Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. If, if, if you're blocking this, you do John Moxley comes out. John Moxley says his stuff. There's a beat where the fans, like he says a bitch or something that gets the fans excited. That's when MJF just takes his seat. John Moxley looks up. Then Hangman comes out. And there you go. But what we got was John Moxley comes out. He says his stuff. Good stuff. Ha- good stuff. John good Moxley stuff. always gives a good promo. Yeah. An underrated reliable promo i know we talk about the cm punks and the mjfs and all of that What i will say about the moxley promo is i don't think we're ever getting the like oh my god like this is the this is the dusty roads hard times promo with moxley right but we're always getting a solid b plus to an a promo out of john moxley yeah i think when the time is needed he can do that because if you recall right after all out when he got on the microphone yeah. and he I gave mean, that the, was this is the fucking, yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is a good one. And then obviously when he came back from rehab, but that's a different circumstance. That's a more sure, of course. shoot promo. That's not hard times. Um, but he always well. gives you that reliable. <laughs> well, you know what hard times does he really, but he always gives you that reliable, like I'm going to listen to what he says. It's not filler, Rudy poo and all the catchphrase stuff. Hey man, don't knock I, a Rudy poo. And so I'm reading, I'm reading, uh, Brian, uh, Gwartz paid or a uh, book. So good. You're just a Rudy Pooh candy ass, Tom. That's what you but are. The rock, the more I'm reading it, I'm watching the time period. Uh, there's a reason the, the rock, rock is, is like the highest paid actor and, and it, because his timing of delivering lines, somebody else wrote is magnificent. He knows how to give you the look. He knows how to hit the, right. He knows how to like 
draw your attention in and then hit the mic. Like, he's great at all that. But if you gave him the mic and were like, go out there and speak to this crowd that you didn't know was here for 20 minutes, we get like what we see on his Instagram where he's like, this is my house. <laughs> right? Like, And he doesn't have anything to say, so he awkwardly laughs. Yeah, The Rock was great at presentation and delivery, but he never had anything of substance of his own to read say. Read the book. Well, hold on. I would tell you to read the book because you're not entirely wrong, but you're also not right. Okay. But again, that's a side side quest there. I'm just saying I'm, I'm rewatching the rocks promos and it kind of feels like Jinko jeans where it fit for the time and it doesn't anymore. Yo, it's not funny now. Yeah. Like if you came out and you were like, I'm going to take this microphone and turn that some bitch sideways and shove it up your candy ass. We'd be like, yeah, that's gross. <laughs> you're fucking weird. Well, you're going to yeah. sexually assault me. Like that's weird. Let's get back on track here. So John Moxley, as we mentioned, he says talking about thing. sexual assault is not on track of the Spanish announce table. No. All right. Okay. Hangman comes out. And as we mentioned, he speaks from the heart and he punches himself in the eye. I mean, it instantly welts. It starts to bleed where at one point Hangman takes the blood and kind of wipes it on oh, John loved Moxley. That. Loved that. Which was interesting. Taking that that was good. And I love how Moxley was kind of like, all right, well, this is happening now. Yeah. And as you mentioned, with the shot of MJF that we have here, everyone, I felt, I felt as if when he came out and he said, oh, you think I'm a kid, we were yeah, going to get the, well, I think we were going to get the, well, I'm a man, I'm a former champion. Thanks, Hangman. And it went, Yeah, but he I'm did do that. Yeah, he did do that. So that was this thing was like, you, you're calling me a kid. He's like, I, you know what I mean? I've, I've buried friends. I've, I've brought life into this thing just like you did. I'm 31 fucking years old. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and the whole thing of like, of the opening up again, where hangman's always been good about this, right? Like, you know, men's mental health and that sort of thing where he's like, I'm fucking anxiety. The meds aren't working. I'm depressed, but I'm still fucking here. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm still bringing at you. And that's where he was like, no, no. So this is, this is what this is. This isn't a kid coming at you. This is somebody who's lived a fucked up life. <laughs> well, that's where I think it took to the yeah. next level is he said somewhat of not predictability, but when you said, I'm not a kid, I'm a man, I'm a former champion, everything's kind of on pace for a good promo. When he starts to cut into, I don't have any friends, as you mentioned, the meds aren't working, I'm depressed, the thing I need the most is on your shoulder. And as mentioned from the last couple promos with Moxley and Hangman, Moxley, to his credit, stands there and isn't shook. I mean, I think he's impressed. It looked like he was impressed with mm -hmm. what he was saying, but it wasn't as if Moxley was doing the like, oh, man, like, do, do you need a hug? He's just like, fucking cool. Tuesday night, I'm still kicking yeah. your ass. Well, I think he was kind of like, oh, there he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. now I have a fight on my hands. All right. Like, I've been looking for this, bitch. So this brings the question, a special Tuesday night episode of dynamite Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. It is in Cincinnati On as Tuesday. hangman mentioned. What do you think happens? Mm, man. So I'm all, we're team hangman over here. This is, this is the anxious millennial podcast. You know what I mean? If there is one, and I'm all ready to ride on Hangman's second ride. But I think as great as this promo was, and it was great, it was his best promo I've seen, and it was one to remember. It was a like a character-defining promo. I think it opened up 
a better storyline for him to lose. And oh, I don't, you know what I mean? Like if he loses, like there's gold in that, right? Like there's gold in him spilling his guts like that, right? Bowing up and then still not getting the job done, right? Like the the dark place that the hangman can go from that. It could be there could be many ways we can go with that. So I won't hate it. I hope he wins, but right now I feel like he's not gonna. Can I present to you this scenario? Mm-hmm. And before I actually present you the scenario, I want to mention one other backstage segment I hadn't have not talked about yet, and that was the MJF promo where Alex Marvez oh, says, "Oh my god, hey, yeah. hey pal, look like you're about to shake uh, Yuta's hand." And before he could even get the sentence out, here comes Stokely Hathaway. Ah, fuck that guy, right? Yeah, we got him. And MJF dresses down Stokely. Oh, yeah. Says he looks like a dork. Daddy's got to oh, put and, you in timeout. And he even pokes fun at AW tropes where, oh, we do a backstage interview and someone interrupts. How convenient. This is, you know, something silly right. as we always kind of do. But it looked like, again, baby face turn of MJF. But he still like obnoxiously dressed him down in a way that nobody yes. likes, right? Like, like right. belittled him. Yes. Told him to take his Carlton Banks wardrobe ass out of here. And oh. then, and then as hangman opened up about the meds aren't working, I'm depressed. My friends are gone. All of that. MJF then says, I have to be the bad guy. Yeah. I have to be this way. So yeah. let me present this to you, Tim Moxley versus hangman. Hangman overcomes all the odds and beats John Moxley in Cincinnati, in his hometown. And then the cash cowboy up mm-hmm. and MJF, the man that he thinks he has to be, the asshole evil one, takes it away from him. Cashers in the chip. You can tell he, he doesn't even want to. That like he but feels he bad he about doing to. it, but he has to. That was another thing. Like. MJF does this a lot, but a character defining promo from MJF here of like, he says, I learned a long time ago that nice guys finish last. So I have to be that way. He's like, I've, I've broken my, or he's like, I busted my hand punching the mirror. He's like, you, he's like, Oh, you don't like me. He's like tough shit. I don't fucking like me either. (laughs) Like that thing was like, Oh man, I forget. That was the thing. I Watching that, I was like, this is one of the most amazing promos they've had from their start. And, of course, it would come from MJF. And then I forgot about it later because, as you said, Hangman unloaded his most heartfelt promo I've ever seen. MJF, oh, to his sorry. credit, if someone with more time on their hands and a catalog of AEW shows and good editing tools, I would love for them to, to pick out these these character defining promos and put it together because we have the origin story you know mjf wants to be just like cm punk but when mjf needed his oh. hero the most that's when cm punk left go and back to the birth mjf go back to the uh like the birth of the pinnacle right that whole like i learned a long time ago that you need a you need a faction. And he had even said that earlier, right? Like there's all right. these moments. Yeah. Hey, That's what I'm yeah, saying. If you, if you if you add that, right? So there's the origin story of how MJF was came to be. 
then he realized what needed to come to the next step. And that was the pinnacle. And then he took that to then go to now. Yeah. I don't want to be this, but look how far I've came. All of these character defining pinpoints, you put that together, man, yeah. that could be some magic. Cause uh, yeah, if he were to say like, if he were to open up and be like, there's no way a guy like me is going to win these titles if I don't do these things. So I have mm-hmm. to be this way. He's like, you know it. You just keep running from it. I have to do it. He's like, and that's why I'm better than you. And you know and it. You know it. Oh! So the other thing, though, that I want to get your feedback on is uh, in that promo that MJF mentioned, he said that his dark history, and I'm paraphrasing here, aligns pretty in tune with William Regal. As mentioned, William Regal got those brass knucks. MJF did the, but he didn't do like the cowardly. He did a, me and you are the same, pal, and walked off. And William Regal, to his credit, looked at him and said, no, I see myself in you. So what comes about, and here's again where I think what I'd like to present to you, and if I had the booking power, is you do John Moxley's Hangman Page. Hangman wins. MJF cashes in that chip. So now you have Hangman who says, I had it and now I'm more broken than I've ever been. John Moxley is saying, I deserve my rematch. I gave you an opportunity on a Tuesday for Christ's sake. And then you have the devil himself, MJF as the champion. Let's do a triple threat at the next pay-per-view. You know what I would do here? That's what I would do. So it's Tuesday night. Hangman and Moxley. They're going at it. They're going at it. They're going at it. We're getting to this spot where it looks like Hangman's like, what do I got to do? I can't get this done, right? Even though he's laying the wood to Moxley. Just plowing him down, right? Like, And Moxley keeps kicking out. Enter Blackpool Combat Club's mentor, William Regal. He's got the brass knucks. Hangman's like, fuck you. You really going to come out here? Like, like you really need to save your guy? Regal takes out Moxley. Lays him out for Hangman. He's like, what the fuck? Fuck you, right? Like, whatever, right? But, like, I mean, he does it. Needs this title, right? And he's staring at him like, what the fuck? And then Regal takes him out, too. And here comes MJF to cash in. Takes it. And now he's got Regal. As his like, as his mentor, his you know his advocate, if you will, and now the Blackpool Combat Club's like, what the fuck, Regal? And now here's Regal and MJF over here, like, hey, birds of a feather, man. Like, I like mm. that. I like that. I think that would be out of nowhere that nobody's expecting. Well, I don't think it would be consistent with what we're hearing from MJF though, where it's he's almost shaking Yuta's hand. He understands that mm. no one likes him. Yeah. True. It would be and a turn. Why, it would be a it would be right. a hard turn. Yep. And that's why I think if you have them cash in, and as you mentioned earlier, say, "Hey, oh yeah, I see had the reluctance, do right? He doesn't want to hit him with a thing, but like, but everyone knows. I mean, Cowboy is barely standing up from having just almost murdered himself to murder John Moxley. Right. And then again, what I think would be great is then let's get all three stories in yeah. the main event of your next paper. Yeah, and MJF has to come in and like, like, saddingly brutalize the hangman like we got to think he's gonna kill him mm-hmm. and he's got to be almost crying about doing it right but like mm-hmm. 
I had to do this. Don't you understand? <laughs> like going Anyone nuts. would have done it. That's, yeah. that's, I think the narrative, if again, we're doing what I'm presenting is the narrative is everyone would have taken this opportunity. If you see a hundred dollar bill on the ground, you grab it. Like this is when the best opportunity was to win the championship. Like I said last week, you don't think I'm a bad guy. I hate myself too, you know? And then we got all these complicated masculinity stories presented to us, which is relatable. What's not relatable that much is our next match. The ring of honor world championship match. Chris Jericho with his funky chest taking on Brian Danielson for the third time. Mm -hmm. And this was good. Yeah. They always, they do good Yeah, for new listeners uh, or new people watching on the YouTube moves. Aren't our thing here at the Spanish announce table. We're liking more of the stories. So even though this was very good, and I bet if we were there, we would say it's probably one of the better matches that we've ever seen in person, just like their match at All Out. However, the fun came when Daniel Garcia makes his way out. So Daniel Garcia, we think, takes the title from Chris Jericho to say, why would you do that? Yeah, you can't hit but him. What he really does what you do, motherfucker? is he takes the title from Chris Jericho to then hit Brian Daniels. Well, but he didn't do it necessarily right away, right? The the subtle thing here that that I don't think is addressed quite yet, and maybe mm-hmm. will be in the weeks to come, is he takes the title from Jericho. He's like, don't do that. You can't do that. Danielson gets up and is like, takes the moment of opportunity to give the Aberdeen face buster to Jericho. And that's when Garcia was like, bitch, fuck you, right? So was it that moment that made Garcia decide? to pick a side or was this pre-planned like that's the answers i need that is interesting because you could also paint the picture of daniel garcia was team brian danielson but then he did just as bad of a yep. thing as chris you jericho took was your doing shot. yeah and so i had to so I if, obviously if, if, if you guys are the same i gotta go with the devil he's i know the one who's yeah he's the one who's been by my side he's the one who gave me the opportunity yeah that would be interesting right? i'm excited for that right i was i was not uh, anticipating that. I thought we were going to get the double down Correct. of Garcia joins the black. I mean, it crossed my club. mind when, when he did the thing, I was like, I was like, hit him. Right. And I, but I didn't think he would, right. I didn't think we'd get there. So when he did it, I think the crowd didn't either. I think the crowd was like, he should hit him. But then when he did it, cause all of a sudden the crowd was like, fuck yeah. And <laughs> again, like, that him. was the face we were cheering for throughout the whole match. Yeah. suddenly got beaten all of a sudden we're like yeah <laughs> which is the weirdest thing well but, and we also uh, got the canadian to get the victory in canadian true but still i mean like we're they were cheering daniel bryan or brian daniel yes. excuse me the whole time yeah. and then heel guy gets stopped by the turning face guy but yet somehow we're cheering the the turning face guy swerved us into staying heel and we're all like yeah <laughs> because they're yeah. cheering good storytelling that's what they're doing that and is that's true. what this was that is true so Chris Jericho is still your Ring of Honor heavyweight champion. Uh, Daniel yeah, like Garcia it. is still your pure Ring of Honor mm-hmm. champion. And we move on. And Tim, it's right before the main event. So you know what time it is. It's time, time for, for the, the women. women. <laughs> yes. And here we get our women's we Nailed match. that. It took us like eight weeks. I like it. <laughs> Jamie Hader and Britt Baker taking on interim champion Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida. This happened. 
this was fine. I thought again, we before this, I believe I don't have it correct. I don't think in my rundown notes here, but we also got Nyla Rose with the championship that she stole. Now Anna JAS wants to fight her for a championship. So it's not even yeah, this feels like Jade Cargill needed a couple week vacation and they were like, Well, we got some. <laughs> Well, we got to put the TBS championship yeah. on the TV. So. TBS requires us to put the TBS. Title. Yeah, it, it made no fucking sense. And this match did make more sense than that. But we put all the women in a 15 minute little block, which is still kind of insulting. The match itself was good. Yeah, but Everyone like did their thing. We keep getting this match. Yes. This, this is a thing we used to knock WWE on was if we're going to have a match, everybody on this show is getting in on this match. We're going to have a six-pack challenge. Yeah. We're going to have a six-man tag team challenge or whatever, right? Like all these random things stuck into the same match because we got to fit four storylines into one segment. Mm -hmm. And that's, they do this a lot. How many times have we seen this mix of Sheeta Storm and the Britt Baker crew and filter in a couple other, you know, outliers of of folks there, but like it's all centered around this. Yes. Now, the interesting thing here is Sheeta gets the roll-up victory on longtime rival Britt Baker. So do you think this lines up with Hikaru Shida being the number one contender for Tony Storm's title? I feel like yes, but I also I wouldn't book it that way because there's no story there to be told outside of like, well, I beat the number one. And it's like, yeah, I mean, a very lazy story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of what we get with these AEW women's matches a lot, unfortunately. So I, I wouldn't be shocked, right? If we get, she was like, you know how they were trying to, they've been trying to do this. Like these two women are best friends and they're going to fight for the title. They've tried to run this back about 16 times now. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's where we're going. I, I would. All right. So, but yeah, I agree. Uh, let's go to the main event now. It is a championship match. Mm-hmm. Again, one of the 16 titles you saw on this episode. It was the AW All-Atlantic Championship match between champion Tupac, which foreshadowing, we can't call him that anymore. Tupac uh, taking minus one. On, yeah, Tupac minus one. Taking on his most bitter rival in AEW, Orange Cassidy. And these two guys always deliver. Again, we yeah. are not moves people. But they find ways to get the silliness of what Orange Cassidy is and the bitterness of what Pac is in new ways every time. It's the same formula with a new taste every single time you see the match. And I like that a lot. Yeah, I agree. And they also have a master of the – this is a trope of the modern wrestling, the hold-your-hand wrestling style that we like to call it, the Young Buck style of Mm – uh, false finishes and kickouts and all that, but they master it pretty well of of gathering the crowd anticipation and the the shock and awe when of the false finish, if you will. I think they do it better than most. And so we get to the finish here, and Danhausen's curse, which I get. Danhausen loses in three seconds to Ethan Page. He loses to all curse. the people, but the curse, if you follow it works every single time yeah especially when he's not in a match right when he's cursing somebody else unaffiliated in a fight against himself it works it works every single time other than hook well but hook's the fucking man that's because hook can't be cursed 
Yeah, can't be cursed. So, you know, there's an outlier to everything. There's the exception to the rule of every single rule. Right. But the rule here is if Dan Howells and curses you, you're fucked, pal. And that's what happened to Pac. Orange Cassidy now is your I, new champion. I love the spot, though, champion. of that whole thing, right? Dan Housen does a curse. Pac's like, fuck you, shits on him, blows a snot rocket on him for one. And then he's like, yeah. And then he turns around and Bryce Renberg's just like, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, where are you going? He's like, what are you fucking doing with that? What's going on over here? Right? Like, he's just all of a sudden there to be dad. I love that spot. Yeah. So now we get our new champion, Orange Cassidy. <laughs> what is your anticipation for champion Orange Cassidy? <laughs> I, I mean, I think we're going to get some fun spots. People are going to be chasing him for a title, and he's just going to be like, oh, this thing. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to be super cool about it. Um, the oversaturation worry always happens with Orange Cassidy, right? Like, at what point does the shtick of, like, I get it. He's too cool. Hands in the pockets. I get it, right? You can't run. I feel like once you start doing it three, four weeks in a row, you start going, like, Okay, right? And, and to AEW's credit, they have avoided that, right? We get it sporadically. We get it in small merits. With a champion, usually you don't do that, right? Usually you see the champion all the time, right? So I think we'll get a little decent run out of Orange Cassidy here, but who, who is first in line to be like, fuck this guy? I want that strap. Is it one of oh. the Lucha Bros? Is it? No, 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 no. It's Ethan Page. That's who it'll be, Ethan Page. Because didn't he say that when the firm said their goals, everyone had their goal? I believe Ethan Page was like, I'm going to take it to Canada. Gosh. Yeah, but I feel like he's one that could win it eventually, right? So I feel like maybe we got to run through some. Oh, I don't see. I don't see Orange Cassidy being a multi-time, like, or Like you lose it right away? (laughs) Like lose on the first one? Can, can I tell you another fun idea that I like to to think of with Orange Cassidy? I mean, it's your show, so. Well, so, but I'm talking to you. I don't yes. care about anyone else. I'm talking to you here. Yeah. This is what I would do. And this sounds stupid as shit. And I don't care, but it can be done 1 million percent by Orange Cassidy and this championship. You have Orange Cassidy come out there, or you have him backstage with Renee Paquette. And Renee is like, hey, so what's your aspirations for this title? And he pokes fun at the dumbest title in pro wrestling and goes, well, isn't this defended 24 seven? Don't I gotta do so? Yeah. So somebody bring her F, right? Yeah. So like, I'm just, I'm just going to wait. Just wait for somebody. And then people take him up on it. Just like an open challenge with the TNT championship. Oh, I can see that with Ethan Page being like, hold on, wait. So you're telling me if I just bring a ref here, You'll yeah. let the match happen right here. He's like, that's the rules, dumbass. <laughs> right. He's like, and he's like, okay. you're an idiot. Yeah, right. yeah. And if you recall back to the early days of Orange Cassidy and AEW, specifically when it was the inner circle versus the elite, mm-hmm. and you saw Orange Cassidy just hanging out in like the 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 janitor's closet while the inner circle fought uh Cody Rhodes in front of him. You do things like that where Everyone's running, and Orange Cassie's like, well, I guess I'll join and run with them. I don't know what they're doing, you know. And just, I think, but here's the thing when Ethan Page, who I do think should win the title from Orange Cassie, when he does it, he throws that shit to the oh, side. Oh, yeah, he's we're like, not making you. it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He says, This guy's an idiot. That was never a rule. He just wanted it to be that way. We're going back to this being a real title. Also, on top of that, if you recall with Pac and how he defended this championship, he was going to other promotions 
So he was going to London and defending the All Atlantic Championship. Yeah. If you institute the 24-7 bullshit and you take Orange Cassidy to your local promotion, it's not the dumbest idea, especially because it's not televised, to have Orange Cassidy lose it to your biggest heel. And by the end of the night, Orange Cassidy takes it back. We don't really talk about it. He's still the champ when it gets back to Dynamite. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, that could be fun. Know. That could be real fun. That would be fun. But there we go. We get our AW Dynamite debut in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I thought this was a good show. I thought we had some good moments. Renee yeah. debuting. Luchasaurus looking like a badass. Hangman and uh, MJF cutting promos that will be defining for their characters overall at a great time. No, I, I agree. I think there was some career defining promos here, which will always leave a good mark on a show. And then the other spots weren't terrible. I didn't think there was fun things here. Uh, Orange Cassidy winning a title, uh, something that I think threw me for a loop. I didn't expect it. And I, it's something that I think we wanted. I thought at a moment I would have put the world title on him. There was yeah. A and for time. someone, and for someone who started with, He's going to try to now be in the Atlantic champion. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. I love that. He's going to try chance. <laughs> yeah. So much fun. <laughs> so much fun. So much fun. And that's AW dynamite. That's generally what it is. It's so much fun. And that's why we love it. There's some other things that are not always so much fun. as uh, the WWE side of things. Um, for us, for if us. you like it, mm-hmm. here's what I always say to everyone. I'm coming around to it. Someone, I can't remember. I'll I'll have to look it up later. So I apologize that I'm not referencing you by name right now. But I had mentioned uh, while I was live tweeting at our on our uh, Twitter page at Table Show, hey, where's Adam Cole? Because when Britt Baker was wrestling, I was like, I kind of miss Adam Cole. And someone's like, hey, man, are you okay? Because like, (laughs) I thought you hated him. And I said, they said like said blink him, if you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, blink if you're okay. Yeah. And I said to him, and this is factual because I did a video call with you and you saw it. I said, I'm sitting here in a Young Bucks mm-hmm. t-shirt. So who knows? <laughs> See, yeah, seasons change and so do I. And so what I'm getting at is wrestling can be big enough to where I love AEW. You can love WWE. I don't necessarily have to like it. You don't have to like my thing. And we can all mm-hmm. scissor. We can all scissor. We can scissor the synergy. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I I'm I have started watching more regularly again WWE products, right? To watch for, eh, what are they going to do here, right? It is a new era. Clearly, this whole thing of Vince McMahon not being in charge of creative is a thing now, right? I think you're correct in that. Like, he's still the biggest shareholder. I'm sure, he has some influence, but the decisions are clearly being made by Triple H. We're seeing NXT come back to life. Mm-hmm. on the WWE roster, which is whatever. It's interesting. I, I think we had critiques of that to begin with, so we'll just kind of watch what happens, right? Now, Extreme Rules was a thing this weekend, and so I did watch that. And the big news is the White Rabbit, the the Bray Wyatt Returns, finally materialized, right? We got something, right? At the end, we got the Triple H calling card of the show's over, no, it's not, right? And here's the surprise, right? And we got a pig. We got Sister Abigail. We got the we got all the characters of the Firefly Funhouse seemingly come to life. Now, including the fiend, including the fiend as something separate. Bray Wyatt's got like a separate mask now. Mm-hmm. So, 
And somebody pointed out that all of those characters, even in the Funhouse, are at some point a representation of where his career was at some point in WWE. Like, the pig is supposed to be Husky Harris. Mercy the Buzzard is the, like, NXT swamp leader. Um, you get Sister Abigail's that eater of worlds, right? Like, the fiend is the fiend. So, I just... I. Man, I I really, 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 really have liked Bray Wyatt. Wanted Bray Wyatt to to get a lot of TV time and a lot of focus because I think he is that creative. But man, I really, really, really don't want a wrestling pig. I don't want a wrestling buzzard. I, I don't want that shit. I don't want a Comic-Con, I don't want the oddities here, right? So mm-hmm. I hope that's few and far between. I hope that's like a a Finn Balor demon kind demon. of thing yeah. at best because, man, I don't want it. I really don't want it. I don't, I don't like him wrestling in the Fiend mask half the time either, right? Like I, I get that at least was a Jekyll and Hyde thing, but I just – I don't want it. It's never been my thing. I'm not a sci-fi guy. I'm not a comic book nerd. I'm not that kind of thing. Right? I'm not a horror movie guy. Mm-hmm. I, I would rather, if he had a faction of six people, fine, or whatever it is, cool. And they all went to this weird place once in a while, fine, I guess. But, like, I don't know. I am I am approaching this, <laughs> Theo says, but we want the oddities. I know you don't. <laughs> so, like, did, did you watch the oddities? Um, like, when they had Sable, I did. God, yeah, Sable? Well, yeah, there's no Sable in this that we've seen. So, yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I, I'm approaching it with cautious optimism, right? We got a Bray Wyatt promo on Raw. And, like you said, it was kind of like watching the Fun Channel as a kid on, on the pay per view. It was kind of hard to understand. But I felt like that's been consistent with Bray Wyatt, right? Like, we kind of can't understand what he's saying in his promo. So I'm a little worried that I'm not going to, he says, bring back Golgo with the giant Cartman doll. And yes, we do. <laughs> Theo wants the oddities. All right, maybe Theo yeah. likes this. I don't dislike it yet because I'm just like, all right, I don't know what this is yet. The word is it's going to be SmackDown exclusive, which will help maybe SmackDown, I feel like, is the weakest show they're putting out right now. And I'm even including NXT in that. So, I don't know. Really? I mean, only because they're putting the Bloodline on Raw a lot. If the Bloodline was exclusive, exclusive to SmackDown, gotcha. maybe not. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I understand that. I thought this was fine. And I thought and think that the Bray Wyatt debut is the antithesis of the Triple H era so far. It's grasping for straws. If I just present to you the Bray Wyatt experiment, whatever experience that we saw at Extreme Rules, the fuck was it? Yeah, what the is the fuck it? was it? And what's it for? When I when I get excited about things that happen, and again, I'm just gonna use it because we just talked about it in AEW, for example. Orange Cassidy winning the All Atlantic Championship. That is something that happened. I could show a casual viewer, hey, he's the champion. I can get excited for what's going to happen next, but that viewer can be like, oh, so this person won something. What we saw from Bray Wyatt 
was smoke and mirrors and hop to do and it meant nothing. It didn't say anyone's name. It didn't say where his mission statement was. Nothing. It, it was just nothing. things. And that's where I think getting to a larger point, Triple H, and I think he's doing well. It's more entertaining than Vince McMahon doing the bullshit. Uh, Mia Yim has to act like she has a convulsion to get MVP pinned yeah, in a match. Yeah, remember farts. that? Yeah, or farts <laughs> or, or shaving FTR's back. And it isn't that funny, right? It's more entertaining than that. And I will credit Triple H for that reason. However, all of this is, yeah, but. It's this carrying crosses back, which means, uh, and it's nothing that you're actually watching. Can I point out that I felt the exact same way about the whole QR code thing? Everybody was like, this is amazing. And I'm like, it's not saying anything. Yeah. It's just saying exactly. next week. This is no different than vignettes. None. It's well, just making you do the work. It's just yeah. making you do the work. Except, except with like vignettes, we got more of a character develop. Like right. when Razor Ramon was walking the streets of Miami, he yeah. told you what he was. Dude, I was getting pissed at the QR code thing for a while with the White Rabbit because it was like, I get it. You're coming back. I get it. Do it. You already it, or, said you're coming back. Now you just keep going, nah, it wasn't that day. It's a new day. <laughs> well, not mm -hmm. the new day. but And so I, I expected more i said this i said if it, if they deliver anybody but bray wyatt there's going to be a disappointment and it's probably already going to be a disappointment because they're just going to deliver bray wyatt well we are and that's knew what that, they did and we already they knew that. just that was my frustration is if you watch that episode or that excuse me that pay-per-view premium bit whatever you want to call it let's watch that eight months from now and you tell me what the fuck it was and hear me out because like, it was just hello like, guys, again, we're not comic con guys. We're not comic book folks. We're not horror movie guys. But like, but like, uh, look, I know they got a movie level artist to build these things. But I'm like, I don't. It was a pig mask. It doesn't look like anything different than somebody would have came to a fucking Halloween party in. It but didn't that's not, look like a real. Right. That's the whole thing. Is like, even if this is yeah. a kayfabe world, and I believe all this is real, I'm like, why is the guy in the pig mask? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's I not get a pig. It's a guy in a pig mask. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think we're saying two separate things though. Like, I understand if you like horror movies or you like comics. My biggest critique of this is it meant nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Now it could mean stuff in six months from now, but you know what you should do, in my opinion? Be positive and patient. Don't tell me it's the greatest return in wwe recent history because it didn't do anything it didn't do anything it didn't accomplish it, anything it just said bray wyatt's back which we knew that that was my disappointment <laughs> like that's what i keep saying i was like that's why i said we're going to be disappointed when all they present is bray wyatt because they've already told us they're going to present bray wyatt for six weeks now and he went after no one and maybe he does on friday again we record on a thursday and maybe then at that point, I will get excited. He says, my mission statement is to take out Roman Reigns, who took my title two years ago. Because if you recall, that was his if last I'm being match. honest, I don't know that we've ever heard an actual mission statement out of any of the Bray Wyatt incarnations. Well, you get what I'm saying, though. Like, you know, a direction. Yeah, he, he but that's feud. what I'm saying is, like, he's had feuds, but, like... I We've gotten the MJF origin story. We've gotten so many lookbacks in MJF's like reason for being and what he's trying to do. We just got it this week. Mm -hmm. 
but we're not getting that with Bray Wyatt. And I am a guy who's been like advocating the Bray Wyatt character for years now on the show. Like mm-hmm. it, because it was something different, I need this to mean more and they're not making it mean anything, unfortunately. And that's sad for me. Like I just so far. Yeah. And again, yeah, it's been, it's been two appearances, but again, so far. So now Tim, I got a question for you though, mm-hmm. about this Bray Wyatt. So we got Bray Wyatt, as you mentioned, there's pigs, there's old ladies, there's birds, uh, there's, there's, there's fiends, there's rabbits, there's all this rabbit. Like nobody's wrestling in that. Right. Like, no, please. Like, right. I, I think, okay. Before I ask you this question, I'll answer that question. I think what they're going to do is the Wyatt six will come out. They will take off the mask and it will be these fucking people that will be in the Wyatt six. Now that aside, here's my question for you. We got Bray Wyatt. We got carrying cross. We've got Dexter Loomis. So what are like, that's my concern is as we talked about when triple H was going to take over, it was going to be Metallica songs and leather jackets. And now kind of feels like we're just doing Halloween every week. So to piggyback off that, the Dexter Loomis thing is another pure example of this. We keep getting Dexter Loomis coming in, kidnapping the Miz or playing mind games with him. But we, there's no reason why. Why well, does he care Miz. about the Miz? But like <laughs> what, what drives yeah. Dexter Loomis to do this? Mm-hmm. What's he after? What purpose does he gain? Does he, it, if you told me it's because he likes the way Miz's balls smell, then at least that would be telling me a reason. But like, I'm not getting. I mean, who doesn't like the way that Miz's balls smell? But I, I but you're not telling me that. Pause. I don't know what you're saying there. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying there. You know what I'm saying. You know. I mean, you know. my thing is. You remember that time? I, my thing <sighs> is, is like. I, I know it's different shades of spookiness. Dexter Loomis is not 100% a carbon copy of Karrion Cross, sure. and Karrion Cross isn't a carbon copy of Bray Wyatt. Of course. However, this makes me feel when we had the time period when Chris Jericho is Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler is the Miz, and they're all doing the same fucking thing. Now we're just doing it yeah. with smoke and mirrors and, and this voodoo language. This is the product we should have been putting out when WWE was on the sci-fi channel. Yeah. But even then, it's all this. Are we ever going to? So is Dexter Loomis? And again, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm on step 11 here. But they all got to bump into each other sometime. So is Dexter Loomis going to stalk the, the Fiend or Bray Wyatt or whatever this is? Is Karrion Cross going to put a time thing and, and switch it on on uh, Dexter? Like, they're all the same thing. You know, you can't out spooky each other. Well, okay. So let's talk about we had Liv Morgan lose to Ronda Rousey. Oh, Rose. God. Yeah, that. And now Liv Morgan is seen being weird in the corner, right? She's smiling as she's getting suffocated in Ronda Rousey's ass. Hold on. Before we get to there, that that was, we were told, a bicep slicer. So it was pressure on the bicep. So what the fuck you passing out for? What the fuck you passing out for? Just, and Ronda Rousey does martial arts. I was so upset with her to not just go like, hey, why don't I put her triangle? Yeah. Now, they needed that later shot. on, well, later on, we had Matt Riddle beat Seth Rollins with a triangle. So maybe that's why they pivoted to something else. But if 
two people were going to pass out, at least have one of them actually pass out from passing out, not a bicep. Yeah, she could have just choked her and punch. had her smile like that, right? Yeah. You know I mean? She could have just straight up choked her. It sleeper was, hold. Yeah. Standard sleeper hold would have worked. Yeah. But yeah, now we get Liv Morgan. I would not be shocked, Tim. If she's in this group. If she's one of the Wyatt Six, if she's Sister Abigail. Wouldn't Alexa Bliss? Well, Alexa Bliss could be like uh, one of the people that got out of the cult. I could even get this where like you get Liv Morgan doing it. And then Alexa Bliss is like, what the fuck? Why? What about me? And she's like, no, no, I'm, I'm spooky. I want to be in the thing. And they're like, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know who you are. You're weird. And then, you know what I mean? She's fighting Liv Morgan over this. Like, you know what I mean? Like she's a, a jaded over it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you would present her more as a fuck. What was that? No, I'm never Cult going back escapee. to that. Yeah, she's trying to yeah. help Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan's yeah. like, you don't understand. Right. You're that's just, why you have the dolls because right, you, you can't left. handle the truth. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, because you're um, just a child that needed comforting. Yeah, I think again, who knows? But there was there there seems to be a female in this Wyatt Six thing that continues to show up on my Twitter timeline. I would anticipate. Liv Morgan passing out from a bicep pinch that she's sister, whatever it is. So Abigail. you mentioned Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle in the fight pit, and we've got a tweet about that, which will remind you to use hashtag tweet the table on Twitter, and we'll read the best ones right here on the show. Like at Katie First Lady's tweet that says, Why is the fight pit more colorful than what NXT 2.0 used to be? Hashtag tweet the table. Yeah, it's a fight pit. Why do you have it looking like fucking Nickelodeon vomited on it? Look, the fight pit's stupid. The fight pit is stupid because, all right, so you've got this platform above the ring. Well, we know you're going to fight on the platform now. Like, what is that there for? Like, you guys are making shit up. It It was neat and a draw during a pandemic when... We needed every and any new idea. And I applauded to me, them. The fight pit should have just been more setting like your raw underground. It's like a lumberjack match with no ring, right? A bunch of people are standing around and you're fighting in the middle. And when you get to the edge, they're giving you a couple kidney punches and throwing you back into the middle to get your ass. It's beat. blood sport. It's, right. it's Josh Barnett or Matt right. Riddle's blood sport. Right. Yeah. Or fucking, just, what was the goddamn Van Damme movie where they did shit like that, right? Like fucking... Bloodsport. Uh, Bloodsport. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. Exactly yeah. that. That's a fight pit. Yeah, this was a cage match. That it's you cage just match didn't with a, with a ledge. Yeah. A ledge. And, and I don't hate the ledge. I, I think it's fun, and I think it's a innovative, cool thing to a cage match. But just call it a cage match. But I just don't you get it. It's like because then we just like then we have it's like it's how the hell in the cell came to be where it's like now we gotta have the arbitrary on top of the cell moment. It's like, well, we now we mm-hmm. gotta have the arbitrary when like if I'm fighting you in a cage that has a ledge, I'm not trying to go up to that ledge. It's dangerous for me to be up there, right? Like I'm gonna fight you down in the pit. I'm Unless I can do a, a booty bomb or a power surge or whatever the fuck they're calling moves now. Uh man, that made me sound old. But you know what I'm saying? Like I just didn't like that they were trying to present it as a MMA fight. Daniel Cormier is your ref. Yeah, at least put that you in a cage. can't escape. At least put that in a pit. Like a, a, yeah. a, a MMA cage is more like a pit, a fight pit to me, than this ledged. Yeah, it was yeah. silly. Uh, now, 
after this, we get Seth Rollins becomes your United States champion, beating Bobby Lashley because Bobby Lashley's injured because of a returning Brock Lesnar. I thought they did this well, right? This is a good way to get the title off off Bobby Lashley to where he won't go right after Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins mm-hmm. looks like a, a cunning opportunist, mm-hmm. right? Even though he's hurt. And called out the military. He said, yeah. you're not a real Marine yes. or whatever. I like this too of the like, Hey, Bobby Lashley, you brought this on yourself. Brock Lesnar probably wouldn't have came out, but you said his fucking name, right? He's like, I don't care if you're whomever. I don't care if you're Brock Lesnar. And then is like, Oh, you don't care if it's okay. I will show you and- that you care. And Bobby Lashley has a victory over Brock Lesnar. So you say Brock Lesnar's name, he remembers you beat me at the Royal Rumble because if you Yeah, recall, I was going to give you that victory, but now you're trying to use it. Yeah. You're trying to use my if name. If you recall, Roman Reigns cost Brock Lesnar the match, uh giving Bobby Lashley the victory. So in in the record books, it's 1-0 Bobby Lashley on Brock Lesnar. What I like the most about this is it's Brock Lesnar versus not Roman Reigns. Yeah. Just fuck, man. And it's not the world championship. My favorite moments from Brock Lesnar's career post coming back was when it wasn't for the championship, when it was Brock Lesnar, CM Punk at SummerSlam, when it was Brock Lesnar, Triple H the first time around, or when it was Brock well, Lesnar, John Cena and the, the, the Lesnar squash match of Cena was one that six. Yeah, but me. that was a, that was, was a that the suplex city bitch moment. No, that was on Roman Reigns. Oh, that was, that was at Reigns. WrestleMania yeah. 31. And then that's when Seth Rollins cashed in. Uh, I, I, I just, R- Brock Lesnar now is a special attraction. Yeah. I don't need him in the world championship picture unless you do it enough times. Now Brock Lesnar's yeah. over like But I do none, like this. And I kind of like that Bobby Lashley is, he's his own character here, right? He doesn't have an, an MVP here. He doesn't have a whatever. And he's the face in this kind of, sort of. Right? They're both faces. Aren't they? I don't know. I, I, I read it, so I don't know what the segment was like. I didn't oh, even yeah. know Bobby Lashley said his name. So he said his name. He's he's like he's like I you know, he's like, I'll beat any he's like, I don't care if you're this person, I don't care if you're Brock Lesnar or whatever. Like I'm paraphrasing here, but like I'm the I'm the guy, whatever. And then we get like he's saying something, then the Brock Lesnar music hits and he's like Really? Like yes fucker. You know what I mean? Like you can tell he's like he's not necessarily like you know, as Bobby Lashley's not scared of Brock Lesnar, but he's like, oh fuck, this means we're gonna fight, right? Like, oh yeah. man, like I this, I, I got today. a match. Like, fuck, I yeah. was I was prepared for Seth, right? Like, yeah. And then you can kind of see he's kind of like, all right, all right, maybe this is just whatever. And Brock Lesnar does the like, he's like, he goes, hello, Toronto, you know, like Brock Lesnar. By the way, way better at like his his crowd engagement and his stuff, like right. So he's doing that, and he's like. He's like, what's up, Toronto? And they're all again. Like, yeah. He's like, and what's up, Bobby Lashley? And then he just, bam, hits him and fucking F5s him. Like, doesn't even give him a second to think about it, right? And he's like, fuck, cheese-eating grin. Like, yeah, I just did that. What are you going to do about it, right? Pretty standard Brock Lesnar stuff. Brock Lesnar, when he wants to have fun, is the most fun Brock Lesnar. Oh, Lesnar's. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got a very contagious, like, smile. And, like, when he's, like, super happy about something and having a blast, like, you can't like see him laughing about something and not be like, all right, that's funny. <laughs> right. Like it's hard. Well, and also it's not like, you know, he's still fucking Brock Lesnar. So you're going to tell him to stop. 
I'm not, yeah, no. you know, like that's yeah. the other thing mm-hmm. is he gets away with it. Cause he's the, he's the big kid in school. Yeah. Like you're just like, Hey man, all right. Yeah. Okay. Hey, like, I hey. like it too. Pal. And listen, like, I want him to think, I think he's funny. I don't want him to exactly. think. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's the other cool part about it when yeah. Brock Lesnar does this fun mm-hmm. stuff. So Coming yeah, up, what else we got? Also on extreme rules. The only other thing that stuck out to me was, uh, this honestly felt like some of the matches we get in AW for this reason of it was nonstop action, a lot of fun spots, and it was just a fucking fight. And that's this Donnybrook match, the Imperium versus the Brawling Brutes was a Jim Ross slobber knocker, right? Like these guys were throwing everything at each other, and and the talent in this match was just great. Even this Rich Holland guy, I'm uh, the unfortunately the guy who involved in the big e incident right i want to hate him for yeah. that but yeah. you know what i mean like I, I i'm like this was good this was fun even with if i hadn't seen any of this build up which i already like i didn't care going into this match about who won or lost but watching it i was like all right these guys pulled an a plus that was fun and and i think they did it really safely for the physicality because one thing that i'm one thing that i do not like about new japan is check out this kick to the head and you know i've said this many of times on the podcast before but it's like the other guy let him it's not that impressive if the other guy lets you fucking kick him in this match it was all making sense moves that also look like this shit fucking hurt you know Mm -hmm. and so i really liked it because not to say these fucking guys had bruises and cuts and they're probably still banged up to today However, it was a wrestling match and not violence porn where, hey, man, guess what? Just put your throat up there. I'm going to punch you in the fucking throat. Look how cool I am. I punched him in the throat. It's like, yeah. And as much as we love GCW, sometimes it can get that right. It it can get like it can get Looney Tunes where we're just make it fit into the context of the story we're telling. And it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. We got a DX reunion, question mark? I thought they did fine here. I thought that the way they opened the show, right, Triple H is like, guys, I'm trying to fucking, I'm trying to do the show here. And they're like, ah, fuck you, titty suck a vagina, right? Like all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Titty dick suck a vagina, if I can steal that from wrestling isn't wrestling. Um, they're doing all that. That's fine, right? And then Triple H's like, all right, well, fuck you, right? Like, let's do this thing. And then they do their thing. I kind of even like that he pauses and lets the crowd do the, Badass Billy Gunn. They came out later on Twitter and tried to act like, hey, man, we tried. We tried to get him, but we, we couldn't make it happen. Who knows what you were offering, as in, like, we tried everything to make it happen. Who knows? Um, I don't blame Tony Khan for that either. Like, this is one of my most overacts right now. Unless you're letting him walk on there with a scissor me daddy ass shirt, it's not happening, right? Like, or whatever it is, which they are not going to allow, right? Like, so I, I don't blame them. I thought it was fine. It just kind of felt like... I, Again, like, and I get it. The story is there if you guys want to tell it. DX won. You guys run the wrestling world right now, right? Like, you guys are making the calls. But they didn't tell that story. They were just like, hey, celebrate us again. It's like, eh, we've done this, right? We do this a lot. If it was like a, hey, after all was said and done, look who's running shit, suck it. Right. That would have been cool. I was kind of looking for that. Right. Like, uh-huh. who fucking won, bitch? Eat my dick. Yeah. To me, it was very 
Hall of Fame segments. Yes. Right. And Things you see those. at the Hall of Fame. And we've done that a million fucking times. So I was not impressed. Very underwhelmed. I saw. Very underwhelmed. Very underwhelming. And and again, I, I saw it on Twitter, but that's how they closed the show. Mm-hmm. Here's my biggest uh, takeaway from this. Uh, shame on you, Brooklyn. For telling them this was good. No, for not doing scissor me daddy. Yeah. This was the fucking time you do scissor yeah, me daddy. Yeah, where they can't stop it. What were they going to do? And they Believe can't it stop yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And it made perfect sense. And they could have referenced it or said. You could no, have even chanted Corey daddy Graves. ass. Anything. Yeah. yeah, I like Corey Graves, Corey Graves comment. said something about it. he's doing. Yeah, he said the other guy is doing something with office products these days, yeah. which is great. Perfect. <laughs> perfect line. Corey Graves is really yeah, good. Perfect when he line. wants to be. Uh, but yeah, it was just underwhelming. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. Um, All right. We've got, speaking of returns, the original club is back. Gallows and Anderson, which again, I thought the way they did this was good, right? AJ Styles comes out. Finn Balor's like, or he's like, listen, I heard what you said. You're right. Like, now's the time I need somebody. I need somebody watching my back. I've been doing this too long on my own, getting nowhere. I need the help. And he like passed out. He's like, all right, I need to come to your senses. And he's like, hugging. He's like, I wasn't talking about you. And then the fucking OCs music hits, right? The fucking, fucking motorcycle mechanics. They come out, Gallows and Anderson, and they start whooping some ass. And so, yeah, all right. We're getting a little more faction warfare in this Triple H era. I like factions. Mm-hmm. Wrestlers have friends. I like all of and that. And this fit. He's like, hey, you, you keep saying you're my friend. Well, you know who else is our friend and doesn't like what you're doing? The mechanics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your drunk uncles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the drunk uncles. That is their tag team name. Yes. I mean, were they, were they that great in AEW? No. Were they that great the first Impact. time around in WWE? Were they that great in Impact? And look, the Bullet Club thing has been done in AEW. They're still referencing it with Hangman and then the young bucks and all of that however we're we're gonna do finn balor and aj sounds and the good brothers and you know why they're they used to be for yeah I mean, what? well here let's go to twitter here we've That's got a tweet the table from devil vamp who says fuck gallows and anderson once again lame they will always be lame hashtag raw hashtag tweet table and i, I mean look <clears throat> i give them a solid c plus like they do fine in the ring, right? Like they're fine, and they they're not bad, right? They've got a few jokes. They 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 don't disappoint in the story, but like they're never giving me anything where I'm like, you keep you giving me the side eye over my C plus grade for them. They are a solid fifty nine percent. They're an F, huh? They Full are F. an F. Full. They F. are they are not funny. They are. There's a time so, or two they they make not a when out. when on accident I don't remember like how I can be funny <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, they are unoriginal, lazy, not funny, <sighs> boring. Their in ring style is about Just as like cool your as drunk uncle. <laughs> yeah, they are drunk uncles. 
That's all the fucking things that they We've are. We've given I them don't... better tag team names than they ever came up with themselves. I know. Good brothers. Yeah, good brothers. And remember when they did the botch <laughs> show on the network? Who, 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 we're going to steal botchamania, but make it fucking dumber. They are the worst. Their whole thing is stealing from the NWO. Mm. Everything about them is bullshit. They're bullshit. <laughs> they might be good people. Again, this is, again, sports dislike. Yeah. I don't know who they are as people. They could be great. They could be giving. Sure they work will, hard. Work hard. Help people in the back. All the fucking stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm saying what I see on television. They're fucking bullshit. I didn't like them in AEW. I didn't like them. Remember what we used to say them and, and the revival were the same thing. And we were Except, debating over who do you keep? And I think we went back and forth a couple times. And now looking back, I'm like, shit, the revival. We should have said with FTR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So here's what doesn't suck. Here's what's not coming in at an F. It's the final thing that I've got on my list to talk about. And that's Sammy fucking Zane. Sammy fucking Zane is the goddamn tits. He's the bee's knees. He's whatever you want to, whatever cheesy thing you've got to say. He's the coolest fucking dude around. He's great. The whole Sammy Zane, Jay Uso, or Jay Uso saga that's happening and Roman being like, fucking, hey, man. Like, kind of telling Jay, like, hey, man, he ain't fucking lying, right? Like, about what Sammy's saying. That whole segment, I don't know if you saw this one on Raw, where he was like... I did see that one. Yeah, where he's like, can you just be cool, <laughs> right? Like, oh, my God. And credit to Jay Uso, too, because, like, it's believable. He's like, are you fucking... Dude! <laughs> like, you're going to let this guy fucking say that to me? Oh, I loved all of it. I love all of this. Sammy Zayn is the best. I saw also uh, a clip on Twitter where Sami Zayn made uh, Roman Reigns break character. Yeah. Because he said something to Ebenezer Paul or whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah. Uh, that uh, he's like, dog. He said, like, because you're number two, dog. Yeah, he's like, you're <laughs> you're the number two or whatever. You're the biggest, you're yeah. the you're the twoest number two or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what he said. And Roman Reigns oh, is like. No, the fun part of when Matt Riddle's out here saying ye, and he was like, you don't get to say ye. He's like, that's a family thing. He's like, we get to say that. He's like, he could say it. He could say it. He looks at Paul Heyman. He's like, he can say it. <laughs> like Paul's like, Hey, what the fuck? Why did you wait? <laughs> I love it, man. Sammy Zane, you can tell is like, just they, so again, this is a, a benefit of the triple H air. I, I will give this credit. He's allowing Sami Zayn to like roll and other people, right? Like, like, yes, you've got to clear kind of what you're going to say here, but like these moments of Sami Zayn just getting this mic and clearly being able to say whatever to break character of these guys wasn't happening in the Vince era, right? Well, they've got a little less of a leash, if that if that makes sense. Possibly with other talent. However, I would bring again, the examples of when he was doing the conspiracy theory and he was standing on the side of the, the Superdome or whatever the fuck yeah. they used to call it. And he had the sign and he would handcuff <laughs> stuff. And remember when he handcuff or when he, uh, yeah, he used the handcuffs on Jeff Hardy's ear in the, in yeah. the ladder. And that's how he won the intercontinental championship. Yeah. My point here is Sami Zayn has always been fucking oh, awesome. God, he's so great. I'm not trying to say I told you so because I think that's stupid. No, you've said but years ago that he was your favorite wrestler. You he tried to tell me he's like the he's the best. Fucking yeah. best. Yeah. He's the greatest baby face, pure baby face, where you want him to be good. He does the conspiracy theory, which is hilarious and kind of has some 
hints of truth to it. And now he's doing this ooze thing where it's so he's just wanted to be with the cool kids. Who doesn't want to do that? And he's not cool, but he's this aspect of like where he was like, hey, you said this is my problem. I'd appreciate a chance to handle that. And then he's like, hey, fuck it. But then I like how Roman's like, hey, listen to the man, right? Like, yeah, we do need you to be more cool. Because, again, there's truth in it. Everything Sami Zayn is saying is true. He's like, hey, you're not being very oozy right now. <laughs> we just need you to be more cool. Like, can you be cool? Like, I get it. You, you fucking didn't like me. But, like, can you be cool now? Speaking of elements of truth, though, when we fast forward, Jey Uso is going to have his moments of truth. When this does fall apart, Jey Uso will say, "You, I told you, I, you know." And then we're going to be like, "This is why he was always freaking yeah. out." Mm-hmm. I also love that Sami Zayn and Jimmy get along so great that they have a like special handshake that they do, and Jay just looks at his brother like, "Really." Oh yeah, you have a handshake with too, this guy. Where he's like, "Look at Jimmy," and the fucking crowd loses it. He's like, "Everybody loves Jimmy," and he's just cheesing. Like, yeah. everybody does love me. Yeah, it's so great. just oblivious he, to all the problems. Like, why are you guys seeing each other? I don't get it. Everything's great. <laughs> it's going to be interesting, and I will pay attention to the aspect of how this develops or falls apart, because we've had the little crumbles mm-hmm. where a couple weeks ago kevin owens looks at Sami Zayn backstage it's like you need a new shirt and they don't fight each other but they even do Sami Zayn's even kind of like i mean as much as he wants to be on the ooze and he's proud of what he's doing and he loves all them like you could tell in that moment he was kind of like he was beat down like he was like that was like that's that thing where it's like i I saying this to one of my kids here i was like the people that are supporting you are the people that are going to tell you the shit you don't want to hear because mm-hmm. then when they are telling you what you want to hear, you know that's fucking real, right? Like, yep. And that was kind of one of those moments. It was like, like Sami Zayn didn't want to hear that in that moment, but he needed to fucking hear that in that moment. So great. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I like Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, more Sami Zayn, the better. He won't beat Roman Reigns to become champion, but I'm excited for him to get his moment in WWE to where we're getting Sami Zayn t-shirts and bring back his old music. I get the whole, like, we're not paying that group anymore, but like cut a deal. This new music. Man, I wonder if we'll start doing that. I wonder if he will start cutting more deals. Like if we'll get a. Bring them back. You know what I mean? Like they did the best music, you know, this current music. So I I know that was a Vince call of like at the bare minimum, because I don't want to pay royalties in perpetuity or whatever, but like, and you know, get out of here. That's just great. You make enough money. Uh, That's not breaking the bank. Yeah, and I get that the Rollins thing is over a little bit, but then that's just people being silly. Uh, One other thing, though, with the Sami Zayn storyline, just small critique, though. Uh, Roman, you're not Undertaker, so let's fucking speed up the the get there. Like, I watched six. I'm not kidding you, Tim. Monday night, it was the Chiefs versus the Raiders Mm -hmm. here in Kansas City. Oh, how'd that game go? We won. Oh, yeah, we did. Hey, Fuck the and Raiders. then we're playing the Bills. <laughs> and, and we're playing the Bills this week. Mm. And did you hear? I, we found out what Bill stands for. Oh, yeah. Boy, I love Boy, losing I Super, love Bowl. Super Bowls. 
You lost four in a row, you bitches. Ah, you suck in your yeah. do-nothing town and your stupid-ass fans. We had to have the worst offensive line in, like, Super Bowl Canada. history to lose and a, and a broken-foot quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You And you Bills Mafia now that you think you travel well when three years ago before Josh Allen, your organization didn't like any of you because none of you showed up that they were doing games in Canada. Suck it, Buffalo. You Just wait till Josh Allen town. becomes fat like, like Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Else. But anyhow, what I was going to tell you is I Roman Reigns walked out. Okay. And I waited till the, the handing of the belt. And I was like, well, fuck this. Okay. And I went back to football. Tim. Four football plays where they stop after each football play. Yeah. American football plays. American football plays took place. Before Roman started to talk, mm-hmm. bro, say something. Yeah, get to it. Yeah, you're not that fucking cool. No, okay. But Sami Zayn is. Sami Zayn is great. that fucking cool. And that's all I have. Unless there's anything else, Tom, you wanted to talk about uh, in the WWE world. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. But we we have a good length on this episode. Uh, and you may not be familiar with the story, but have you seen the controversy with Ariel Hawani? talking about the Tony Khan interview. Mm, no. Oh, we'll bring that up to you next week. Okay. So I'll give you the high level overview. Ariel Hawani was asked, Hey, what's been like one of the worst interviews you've done. And he said, the most frustrating interview he's ever done in his career. Was this recent Tony Khan one? Was the recent Tony Khan one. Cause he said, he'd said nothing. It was great. I thought he said a lot in that interview. Mm. Mm. Well, and here's the thing. So then AEW fans were like, Ariel, you, you fucking suck and all that stuff. And he brought up, hey, do you forget what the actual worst interview is? Not most frustrating, but the worst interview that I've done is with Sasha Banks. That's what he actually yeah. said. And then I would say back to Ariel Hawani, which I know he's watching. Hey, Ariel. Uh, hey, bro, you were pressing Tony Khan really fucking hard on brawl out or whatever we're calling well, probably it legal issues that he can't talk about. Yeah. But did you ask triple H about his involvement yeah. in any of this Vince McMahon stuff? You sure didn't pal. So maybe stop pressing Tony Khan for all the information. But then when you get Vince McMahon, or excuse me, when you get triple H, you go, Hey man, Vince has left. So you're in, isn't yeah. that fun? What's that like? This sounds fun. Maybe we will dig into this more on next week's episode, but. In the meantime, we're going to go practice being some drunk uncles. The Spanish announce table.